<coughs> All right, folks, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillah, Salatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'at sahla. Allahumma a'inna la dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right, folks, so, first of all, we're flooded by people and flooded by sweets, mashaAllah. Flooded by guest appearance from Rima, mashaAllah, big guest appearance from the Ahmeds and the Somalis of the whole country. And uh, Lena from London, for those folks who know her, brought nothing, of course. Yeah, brought nothing. Brought your phone, she brought her phone. But which, by the way, is a major achievement that she brought her phone because she dumped it yani, in one city, went to Mecca, left it in Medina, and left us yani, to run around for it. So that's a miracle. Anyway, alhamdulillah. Uh, Rayhan is visiting from Bradford and he can come again. Yeah. So he's bought things. Usman, this is what you do when you come to a dad's, okay? First time, all right? You bring, you bring sweets. You know what I'm saying? You bring, you bring, look at this. So what are we saying? She's that way? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Who's going to be here? No, no, we can't do that. We can't have the girls diving all over the place. You to pass that to them. Yalla, boys. So, man. All right. Listen, uh, this is too much, yeah? Honestly, we're already, yeah, and got diabetes before. We have to hide these, yeah, for next, next week or the week after or whatever. Listen, uh, save me the, uh, uh, what's it called? In fact, why have I sent that to you first? You bring it here. Bring it, and normally, I need to do my own, yeah, yeah. It's in Bangladesh, bro, it's Pakistan, okay? Yeah. Let me just get my, let me take my zakat first. Yeah, you know what I've noticed with Quality Street? Tight packies, yani, they've taken all the things out. See, there's, look, look, and there's only one, no, no, sorry. There's two. In that whole packet, a whole box, and the asal ones, yani, are only... Shaz, what are the other nice ones? Green. Green. What's the ones that got caramel in it and stuff? That one? Shut up, okay. There you go. Huh? Pennies in the sticks. Pennies in the sticks? You know, the pennies and the sticks are literally the only ones that get left behind. Put your hands up if you take the pennies and the sticks. Nobody. Nobody. All right. Yeah. All right, folks. Today is going to be some fun. We're finishing off the issue of what happens when a person comes late to the salah and whether we should wait for that person. And then we get into the good stuff, huh? whether women yani, should be in a masjid at all or not. Huh? Whether we kick them out or whether they have a right to be there or whether it's better to be there. So girls need to be nice today. Otherwise, we're passing fatwas. Right? We're passing fatwas today. All right. So last week, Shazam, uh, oh, okay. So uh, the section that we are on, the section that we are on is uh, in the Arabic. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, and today, Alright, so 
is his claim. So, the translation of today's uh, section, that it is sunnah for an imam to lighten the prayer whilst keeping it complete and to make the first rak'ah longer than the second, we done all that, it is recommended to wait for the one joining the prayer as long as it does not cause a problem for the followers. We started that last week, yeah? We've got a bit more to finish on that. And then the big stuff is if a woman seeks permission to go to the mosque, if a woman seeks permission to go to the mosque, it is reprehensible to prevent her. However, her house is better for her. All right, that's the, um, that's the text that we're going to be covering today. We're on the bottom of page 200 and, uh, uh, 199. No, we're not. Where's our start? Oh, yeah, it is here. Uh, we're at the bottom of 197. Put on the uh, portal, Shaz. So we're at the bottom of page 197. And we spoke about the whole thing about how a person uh, waits for another one in the prayer. We spoke about, uh, you know, you're hearing a guy come in, you're hearing the door, you're the imam, and should the imam delay? Right? That's what this whole discussion is about. And we also said that when you delay, when you hold your position, elongate the prayer, you're doing it in different ways as well, right? So sometimes you're doing it before a person has actually even come into the prayer, right? So before the prayer has even started, right? So you're looking around and you see, is so-and-so here? And then you realize he's not there. So then you say, let's wait a few more minutes. Now, as I said, that's a controversial one. Should anyone be given that kind of status? No, not really. But we said if we saw a benefit, then we'll consider it, all right? The second... Um, so... So that was the first one. Al-intidhar qabla dukhul fi salat. So this is waiting before that person has entered, before me as the imam have started the prayer. So I'm just waiting, 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 waiting. Then I'm saying, let's forget it now, let's start. All right? The second category is al-intidhar fi ruku'ah. Wala siyama fi akhir raka'ah. Then the second category we're going to speak about today is delaying in the ruku'ah, which is the most famous one that we all know. So I'm the imam. And I've gone for ruku, Allahu Akbar, and everyone's gone into the ruku, and now I'm hearing people come through the door, coming through the door. You saw the kids today, yani, they were going on for like half an hour after the, the thingy, right? Walking, ow, 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 ow. If Abd Ghaffar was in the ruku, he'd be like, he'd have to wait how long for that whole train of people to go by? What, what was it? 30 seconds? 30 seconds, it was continuous people going by. So... It's a judgment call that you've got to make as an imam. Do I carry on waiting? Do I carry on waiting? So what do we know about this chapter or this section? That if it causes a problem for the people who are praying, then it's not to be done. According to how the imam puts it, he goes, it is makruh. Yani to make the, make the people who are waiting suffer, right? Or to have a problem with them, you know, to cause a problem. Now, the sheikh says that there are different types of uh, waiting. When it comes to waiting in the ruku', right, they have to use their intelligence. So for example, that um, if you hear, for example, someone come back, uh, so you're hearing, you know, someone come from the door, but you can feel that they're heavy, and they're struggling in their, in their walking, right? And you can then, you can feel that they are elderly. You get what I'm saying? So then you're not going to wait, because if they're elderly, they're going to take ages to get to the front. Especially in the big masajid. Now, Sheikh Uthameen is speaking about Saudi mosques, which are huge. He actually kind of drops that. He goes like, it takes one or two minutes to get to the front. I don't know, in, in the UK it won't, yeah? But 
in the Saudi mosques, big mosques, it will take some time to get to the front. So he says that in this situation, it's not good. It's not good. فَهُنَا لَا يَنْتَظِرُهُ Okay, he does not wait for the imam here. He doesn't wait for the, the latecomer here. Um, but a little bit of waiting, no problem. And of course, everyone has been asking, what is a little bit? What is difficulty for the guy behind us? What is it difficult for the, for the jama'ah? Do you know what? These kind of things are not a measured, right? You have to use your own, yani your own intelligence, your own wits. You've you got to judge your jama'ah. You've got to judge the situation, judge the politics, judge the whole. You know, there's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, not a simple kind of uh, equation. You just basically have an idea what is a lot, what is a little. That's it, okay? Now, Sheikh says, what if someone was to argue, hey, where's the evidence for your delaying? Because to delay and to shorten any time inside an act of worship is itself an act of worship. So if you make it longer, you're making a conscious decision as an act of worship, and when you make it shorter, that's also a conscious decision, and it becomes an act of worship. And of course, every act of worship needs an evidence. You can't make these decisions just by yourself on the willy-nilly. So he says that there isn't any evidence directly. However, we can take some kind of indications from a few evidences in a general sense. The first evidence we mentioned, I think we mentioned this briefly last week as well, that the Prophet ﷺ, if he heard the crying of a baby, he would reduce the length of the prayer in order to in fear that it would put the mum to trial. Yani worried that it would cause a problem for the mum. That's basically what's happening. Yeah, so he doesn't want the mum to be like stressed and worried about the kid. And so therefore, let's just say Allahu Akbar and get into the next stage so that, you know, the, the kid can be calmed, grabbed, lifted, put down, whatever it is, but let's do it. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen says, this hadith we covered last week, hadith Sahih, or week before, Sheikh Uthameen says here, the hay'ah, the structure of the prayer, the style of the prayer has been changed, has been moved, right? Why? Because of the benefit of a person. Just because of the benefit of that person. And so therefore, for, therefore, um, uh, uh, and the reason is only because that mother will be just thinking about the kid as opposed to focusing on the salah. This was enough to change the length of the prayer. So that's the first evidence. The second one, that um, the Prophet ﷺ would sometimes elongate the length of the first rak'ah. We covered this as well a couple of weeks ago. The Prophet ﷺ, as narrated in Sahih Muslim, when it came to Salat al-Dhuhr, he would give the iqama, he would say, Allahu Akbar. The companion said that we would have time to go from there to Baqiyah, to go to the house, make wudu, sort out our needs, make wudu, come back, and the Prophet ﷺ is still in the first rak'ah. Still in the first rak'ah. There is, now th that's the end of the hadith. There's no commentary given by the companion or the others. However, when the scholars spoke about this hadith, what's very interesting is that they all said the same thing. They said that this was purely to allow people to catch that first rak'ah, to catch the prayer. Now that's interesting, and again, it shows why context is important. Because when you read that hadith, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's elongating it to allow people to catch it. But he is, because unlike our working day, 
that's pretty much the end of the working day, quote unquote. People have been really busy doing their work, starting early, lots of action, etc., etc. It's a hot part of the day. People are now going to go and uh, uh, freshen up, and there's not going to be the attendance if we're going to be strict. We're not going to have the attendance of the normal kind of a day or, or another prayer. And so he's lenient in that issue in order to maximize the people to attend. That the objective behind this was so that people would be able to catch the first raka'ah, which again indicates that it's not just about catching the prayer, but to catch the first unit is something which is excellent as well, right? Uh, what if two people were to walk in late and make a row at the back? Uh, I don't know how that's linked to this, but... Um, yeah, we can we can ask questions uh, like like that uh, at the end, inshallah. Um, th- third, um, the third uh, uh, evidence is how the Prophet ﷺ, as I explained last time, elongated the second rakaah of Salatul Khawf. We gave the example that when the prayer the prayer at war is being done, the first rakaah is a certain length, and the second one is a little bit longer, and that is also done for the benefit of those fighters that were left behind. So again, in all three cases that we have, a change in the structure of the prayer is being done to benefit a group of people. So therefore, Sheikh Uthameen says, I think it's okay. In fact, I'm even okay with saying that it is recommended even to elongate your holding position in Ruku'a to allow some people to join. These three principles almost, okay, it's possible to build upon them and even say it is recommended, but with the condition, with the strict condition that it doesn't cause any problems to people who are already in the uh, prayer. You cannot be hurting those that are, um, uh, that are already in the prayer and elongating it. So, you know, making them like late or they are too weak to be standing in the ruku uh, position for a long period of time, etc. And true to form, True to form, you would have found that some scholars are not happy with this, and they aren't, not all of them. In fact, even Imam Ahmed, of course, this is a position of the Hanbali school that it is recommended to delay. However, from Imam Ahmed, we have, as usual, three statements. The first one is that it is recommended. The sec- three positions, I mean, you know, like we know that he holds three positions. The first is recommended. The second is just permissible and nothing more. And the third that is actually disliked. So actually, the whole spectrum is there. And you'll find a lot of the scholars of hadith also don't like this as well. Sheikh Lalbani, for example, used to consider this to be prohibited or to be uh, uh, disliked. And other scholars as well. Again, the idea being that you're changing the structure of the prayer. You need a very clear evidence to do that. You need a clear... And what's the end line? What's the, what's the, what's the end kind of uh, uh, zone? Yani? It's, uh, it's, uh, and there's a very interesting uh, point, which yani, you might think this has taken it from zero to 100 way too quickly. But some said, right, that وَقَالَ فِي الْفُرُوعَ This is from some of the Hanabila. They said, it's possible to consider the prayer invalidated by this act because of his act of shirk in making part of his niyyah, the prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the act of making someone happy by allowing them to catch the prayer. That levels. Now, we shouldn't like laugh, laugh, okay? Um, but that's like, you know, that's a bit hardcore. And Al-Izzah ibn Abdul Salam, uh, 
from the senior scholars, okay, he said, you know, is it really shirk? He said, is it possible to, for that argument even to stand? And he goes, some of the scholars said that. Um, and we say, no, this is not shirk at all. Actually, these are two good actions that are being performed by the imam. The first one is to help another person to get into a ruku' and, um, and also, uh, also to encourage people to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, um, I, personally, I've got to say that I do think it's a slippery slope. You've got to be careful, like I spoke you know, about this before. But do I think that it is makruh or it's haram? No. I think it's permissible, but you've got to have your wits around you and not get played, because you can get played and you can, you can also start thinking a bit too much. As I said, you know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, one of the problems when you, uh, you know, even as an imam, and an imam normally has less kind of, uh, you know, if you're talking about what's worse, right? If you're in a prayer, the one who's standing there doing very little, being led by another person, is got, has got more, what can I say, nothingness to fight. The imam, not because he's better than the rest, but because he's so stressed and he's making sure that he gets the prayer right, has got less, if you like, right? Um, I'm t- I can take that from, I'm, I, can, I can say that from personal experience. You're just, you know, focusing so much, you know, got to make sure I don't get the numbers wrong, got to make sure I don't get the wrong numbers wrong, okay? And, you know, so you're busy in all other kind of stuff. Um, throw this on the, on, the, on the old kind of shoulders as well. Uh, shall I wait this long? Shall I have I waited long enough? Is the people all here yet? What a, it's just a headache. You start chatting to yourself. Did I do it too much? You know? So you've got to be careful. All right. That's, um, that's that. Um, as for other waiting, are there other parts of, are there other types of waiting? Yes. There is another type of waiting, and that's the third type of, or the third category of waiting. And that is when you wait in a ruken, which is other than the ruku'ah. So a non-ruku'ah. So the, thir- the first type of waiting was before prayer started. The second type of waiting is when you're waiting for the guy in the ruku'ah. And the third is in when, you're, when you're in a ruken that isn't the ruku'ah, like the tashahud or like sajda, for example. Uh, Fiza was saying, what, uh, yeah, Shazad, come down. How we said it's catching Fajr close to uh, sunrise. is also an example of where the structure has changed, as, as in the second rak'ah gets longer. It's a very good point, by the way. That's very good. What Fiza is referring to, right, is that if you're very late on the prayer, you wake up like, you know, sunrise is what, 7.30 right now, 7.40, and you woke up at, say, 7.30. Yeah? Missed your alarm, 7.30. Or if it's like Shadad Salim, set it at 7.30, okay? Then he legs it to the bathroom and, you know, because his dentist spends a long time on his teeth or the rest of it, he comes out, it's 7.39. 7.39, no time for sunnah, no time for squat. Yani he's got to go for the fard prayer immediately. Yes, he's got one minute. One minute according to our position to do what? According to some scholars, they say Allahu Akbar. According to the correct position, got to be rising from the first rak'ah. From the first, uh, uh, yeah, rak'ah. Meaning, have to do ruku', have to do two sujuds, and be on the way back up. Some said you've got to stand back up, safer of course to assume that, but we'll accept just being on the way back up. That's got to be pulled off within one minute. In doing that, there's no way you can do your subhanak, Allahumma bihamdik, Allahumma ba'id, bayni wa bayna khatai. You're going to go, bam, alhamdulillah, ameen, ameen, Allahu akbar. No time for surahs, no subhanak, three times. It's a minimal behavior. 
Yeah, an emergency rak'ah as we call it in fiqh salah. So, Fatiha, Allahu Akbar, Subhanahu Rabbil Adim, Samiya Allahu Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Amalak Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, Subhanahu Rabbil Alayla, Allahu Akbar, Rabbil Akbar, Rabbil Allahu Akbar, Subhanahu Rabbil Alayla, Allahu Akbar. You got what I'm saying? Now the sun rises. The sun rising now doesn't matter to our prayer now. We haven't, uh, uh, we don't fall into the category of uh, uh, the haram now. And now it would be wrong, actually, to treat the second raka'ah in the shameful kind of way, quote-unquote, that we did the first one. Now, I say shameful, quote-unquote, because it's not shameful. We've minimized it to its obligations, but a believer is meant to pray a complete prayer. Remember that statement we said earlier on? A complete prayer. It's man. A complete prayer means not taking liberties. And so now you would make it longer. Now, what Fizzah says is that that's another example. Now, actually, the interesting thing is that the scholars disagreed on that, right? They disagreed on whether the elongating of the second raka'ah itself is a legal required act. It's an example of what scholars would advise people to do, but would you, uh, you know, would you actually do that? Would you actually, uh, uh, you know, do you have to do that? I don't think you have to. I'll make it clear. I don't think that you have to make it a second raka'ah longer, but I would feel that You've taken such a liberty by waking up so late and yani, praying so short with the first one that you should. And that goes to show that I think that there is some space in this kind of uh, elongating and waiting and doing a few things with the prayer in order to help other people. I think there is some space. Uh, Selma asks, bring it down, Shaz. Um, uh, could it be argued that it goes against the essence of salah and khushu' to be focusing on the congregate, congregants coming and going inside the salah? Uh, the baby crying was loud in the hadith and could not be missed. It's a very good point. Um, and uh, uh, um, uh, the, the, the truth is, the truth, that everybody is being disturbed by people going in and out of the prayer. The imam might be, having, might be the guy who's making the decision, but everybody is thinking that guy came late. It's like the guy who comes and stands next to you. What if I tell you that not only do you know everything about the guy next to you or the girl next to you, but also two down as well. When they, for example, don't get up after they've come late, you're the one who turns to them, well, I hope you are anyway, and say to them, by the way, you need to get up, right? Because you missed one raka'ah. Or, by the way, I don't think you caught ruku'ah. Now, how you're watching that person, only Allah knows how you are, but we all know we are. And we see when they come for their ruku'ah, whether they make it or not. And when we see them make a call, we're like, Hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody's making a judgment on that person's yani, But I don't know, I don't think you made that But obviously you think you made it You know what I mean? So you're making that judgment So we're all being disturbed by people coming late Which is a reminder that nobody should be Treating the jama'ah lightly The jama'ah is a responsibility It's a skill It's uh, a discipline You know, having to come early uh, And then having to come earlier when there are situations like right now, cheetah is a very good example, right? Everybody's irritated by the fact that the uh, work is going on in the uh, car park and it's taking that much longer for people to park. And everybody is coming late for the first raka. The solution is just come five minutes earlier, ten minutes earlier, and nobody wants to do that. And it's then causing, you know, a big traffic jam and everyone's, you know, upset and angry. And it's our own fault, actually. But then when those people come in, we're all hearing, listening, this, that, whatever. Like on a Wednesday. Like here when, it's, when, it, when it gets busy here. And you know that the door's opening, closing, opening, closing. If you're at the front, 
you're also thinking, is there even enough space standing for the people at the back? That's on your head as well. Yeah, and there's a lot of people I can hear. Whatever. So all coming and going is a disturbance. So we need to like, you know, consider that. It's not good. So on, on that though, is yeah. there a difference between passively being disturbed by someone coming and actively listening out for people and trying to work out how many people there are, are they elderly? Yeah, I agree. I agree. There is a difference between, you know, something which can't be avoided and a passive kind of disturbance and then uh, the imam who's actively predicting, waiting, wait, whatever. And that's the reason why I think that um, we shouldn't take it so actively seriously because waswa starts to enter into your prayer. Like I gave my example, you're already thinking about enough, enough stuff as it is without then actively making the latecomer a real part of your prayer. So I think it's a balance. I think it's a balance. Now, um, is there generally a minimum requirement to lead the prayer? Uh, we'll come to that, we'll come to that. But, but, but on this, okay, actually I'll answer this because this is relevant actually right now. Um, um, you know, people focus on hifs of the Qur'an, which is good because The Prophet ﷺ said, so let you be led, be led by the one who is most akra in the book of Allah. Akra means the most qira'a, linguistically. In meaning though, I personally prefer the translation of the most versed, akra'akum, the most versed in the book of Allah. Majority of scholars translated it as the most memorized. Yeah? Some translated it, translated it as the one who has nicest qira'a or perfect qira'a. And some try to combine it, whatever. I personally think that the best English translation is without doubt the most versed. Because when you say the most versed, you're kind of saying... You're, you're kind of making an indication to the recitation, but not so much. But you are more heavier in your, in your definition as someone who knows what they're doing. When you say someone's versed, you like they're a scholar, right? So what I want to say is that you've got to combine between scholarliness and knowledge and the ability to recite. That's the one who should lead. And we've spoken about this before. And Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu and being the imam of the, of the salah is a combination, and many scholars put this uh, forward, they said that he was not a hafiz of the Book of Allah. And the Hufad of the Kitab of Allah were few, not many. The Sahaba were not all Hufad, right? And uh, some argued Abu Bakr as-Siddiq Imam because he's the most knowledgeable, certainly he was, and the most best of the Muslims, certainly was, commanded most authority, certainly did, uh, and recitation, good enough, yeah? Um, but then you could argue back and say, well, no, really, the Prophet ﷺ had already made him a position of authority and they would never have considered going against that. So it can be argued. Anyway, the point is, is that you need to consider more than just... Uh, 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 That's difficult because Exactly. It's difficult to put Abu Bakr as, a, as an evidence when the Prophet ﷺ has already made him an example and led the... Pre- the the counter-argument is Abdul Rahman bin Auf also being uh, chose to lead the prayer. And Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, they said, was present. Yani, it's, but I'm with you. I, I, that's, that's two different uh, some said, some said. And some said that there's no evidence that he wasn't there. Yani, like I said, it, there's, there's back and forths in that. But in principle, I want to say that common sense dictates that you've got to have a guy. You can't just have a five-year-old who recites yani, the whole Quran by heart, right, completely, which there are out there, leading the prayer. Jama'ah wanting to make all these decisions. How's my five-year-old kid yani, making that decision, bro? You know what I mean? How's a 10-year-old kid even? And so that's why 
Um, it's okay as a one-off, yani taraweeh here and there, whatever. They can recite, they got hifz. But when it comes to leading jama'ah, it's something else. It's not just nice recitation. It's not just, it's knowledge. It's also confidence. It's also happiness. You know, the people should be happy behind the imam. This guy represents us. You know what I'm saying? He represents everything about us. He's everything that we aspire to be. You don't need to be proud, happy. The dean of that person, if I put that person forward, Imam is big position. It's a big uh, uh, position. Some of these questions are now uh, off topic. We'll come to this later. Okay, let's focus on just getting this done and then we find uh, time afterwards. Right, so we're talking about now being in tashahud or in sajda or in other positions. Fatiha, for example. These are all arkan other than rukuah. Can we wait for the person behind? Sheikh says, well, for this, we need to divide it into two further categories. A position in which we will allow the guy to get some benefit from and a position that doesn't actually benefit him or her by me waiting. So an example of that would be the final tashahud. There is a benefit. So it's a rukun. It's not the rukur. And there is a benefit for the latecomer because if you delay that, you allow him to catch the prayer. If you just finished on time and gave, said, Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah, and then the guy has missed the prayer entirely, whereas if he elongated a little bit, we've given our guy a good chance to get the prayer. That, of course, is based upon the opinion that you can catch the prayer if you just get into the salah before the salam. Because what's the other opinion? Have to catch raka'ah. You have to be in that final ruku'ah. Right? And if you miss that final ruku'ah, then even if you catch him in a sajda or catch him in tashahud, there's no uh, uh, jama'ah for you. The jama'ah is gone. So that's a well-held opinion. However, as Sheikh says, if we go by the author's own opinion and the humbly position that as long as you catch it before the salam and kabbara qabla salami imamihi, lahiq al-jama'ah. That's the statement of the mu'allif, all right? the author, the humbly position. Whoever says Allahu Akbar before as, right, of the imam, not the turn, the statement, as, okay, says Allahu Akbar and the ra has finished before the a of the, of the salam. The salam, by the way, don't forget, is a statement, not a movement. This movement is a sunnah, the statement is the obligation. So as on the imam's behalf is the end of the prayer. And if you say Allahu Akbar, if you're on a, then you haven't entered. If you've said Allahu Akbar, the first ra in the reverberating of the ra, which isn't correct anyway, then you've entered the prayer. And so therefore, this scenario, there's a benefit for the guy, so we'll wait. It's good to wait. The second scenario, a scenario is, uh, he, Sheikh says, and also there's another benefit, and that's that the guy, uh, 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 um, uh, still got something. Yeah, and he, you know, still was part of some kind of moment, even if you think that he doesn't catch the jama'ah. Meaning that some will argue he came, uh, we only believe that you've got to catch the ruku'ah of the last rak'ah. And so if you catch the sajda and catch the tashahud, you haven't caught the actual jama'ah of the prayer. We'll say, yeah, okay, even according to your opinion, you're right, we didn't catch. But we got something with the imam, isn't it? Better than nothing. Uh, the second example is ma laysa fihi fa'idah. That which doesn't have a benefit. Give me an example. What doesn't have a benefit? What do you think? What do you think he means when he says an exa- uh, uh, waiting that in a rukun other than the ruku'ah that doesn't give a benefit to the 
latecomer. The sitting in between the two sajda. Why? Excellent. Excellent. All right? So Jwariya said that, for example, the seating between the two uh, uh, sajdas. In addition to that, you can say the sajda in the third rak'ah. You can say the second sajda in the third rak'ah. You could say all of these. None of them are going to actually benefit anybody. He's already missed the first rak'ah, for example. If you're in the sajda position or you're in the two or you're in the seated position between two sajdas, whatever happens here, elongating does what? Just irritates people, right? He, and, and that guy, he's already missed it. I mean, you, whatever happens, you're going to stand up. He's going to catch you in Fatiha anyway. He's going to get the next rak'ah anyway. So there's actually no benefit, uh, defined, clear benefit for the, for the uh, uh, a guy who's coming uh, uh, late and you're in that position. All right. <coughs> Uh, anyway, if we are going to wait, two things must be considered carefully. Again, we cannot uh, cause a problem um, to some of the followers, right? We can't be ca causing a problem to them. Even if it's like a bit selfish, even if it's a bit kind of weird. So he gives the example, he says that there are some people that will just become irritated. And even though they haven't really suffered so much, only because some of the people... He's quite strict and he goes, He has no chivalry. He's not a man, basically. Right? He doesn't like any good to be spread to other people. Yeah? And he's got no charitable nature to him. Yeah? And he just chill, bro. It's like 10, 20 seconds extra on your salah. So that's yeah, any, uh, one kind of uh, thing you've got to be careful about. Even those people, they have the right to complain. Even those who are selfish. Right? They have a point. And then the second one is that you've got to be careful that you don't uh, elongate it so much so that the whole rukan becomes longer than the previous one. Right? The arkan start to go out of order. You can't yani, make it crazy, crazy, kind of in, uh, imbalanced. Okay? Um, Sheikh said, some scholars said that absolutely not allowed to wait at all in the prayer. At all. Even in the last ruku of the last rak'ah, not allowed at all. You can't uh, uh, change the prayer for anybody. Sheikh Uthameen says, however, the correct position is that it's allowed. I think the class position also is that it is allowed, okay? It is allowed and not something that should be treated very carefully. It's a nuclear option. You've got to be, uh, 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 you've got to be careful. Um, and Sheikh says that in terms of causing a problem to the people, is that something makroo or mamnoor? Is it something which is hated or something which is absolutely haram to cause a problem? Sheikh says actually the correct position is not what the author has said that is makruh, but rather it is haram to make this a problem. And he said the example of the, the example is the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anh, you know when he went and he led the prayer and he elongated it and the companion came out of the prayer, was so angry, came to the Prophet sallallahu said, you know this guy, you know you sent, he led the prayer, made it so long, messed us up, we had to leave the prayer. Prophet became even more angrier, got Mu'adh and you know, reprimanded him significantly for that. And then he told him that whole point about you know, don't do that to people and behind you there are this. And so from that point of view, if you are causing difficulty to a person behind you by you, you elongating the prayer unnecessarily, clearly that's a haram area, not a hated area. This is a serious issue. 
you've got to be careful. And he makes a really interesting statement, which I'm not sure if I did last week or not. He goes, what we gather from this author's statement, yani, adding this point about you can't cause harm for the, for the people, is that therefore there is a ranking. And the first priority are the people who are with you, and second are the people who join later. So it is good to elongate the prayer, to give them a chance, to show their importance. But who's controlling their importance? The more important people who are there. If they are not going to be happy with it, you don't do it, which means that there's a ranking. And that indicates also how important it is to get to the first rows of a salah, to be early to salah, to hit the takbiratul ihram with the imam, that everything, as-sabiqoon, as-sabiqoon, those people who are first, those people who are foremost. That is always the case in this deen. All right. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. After the Imam has gotten up, oh, that's just, uh, I've got up from Ruqut, that Raka is missed too. Correct. Any of these kind of uh, areas in which the job is done now, he's going to join the prayer late. Anyway, there's no point in elongating. All right. So then the final statement in this, um, in this uh, uh, lesson is, and if the woman, uh, if a woman or the woman was at al-masjid, kariha or kuriha man'uha. Um, if a woman seeks permission, and when a woman here is being mentioned, then it means al-baligha, meaning that who is post-pubescent, uh, pu- uh, okay? And uh, um, uh, even though it's meaning here, obviously, all women, um, even if it's less than, but then the point is, if it's a girl, you know, what, what does it even mean? Um, so... When she seeks permission from her guardian, then, uh, and she, then Sheikh says, if she is someone who is married, then it's her husband and her father or her brother or her uncle has no authority in the presence of the husband, right? So she has to seek permission. We'll come to these points in a minute. Let's just deal with this issue here. This is an important part that people don't realize. We cover this a lot in Protect This House, that a woman... When she gets married, um, obviously before marriage, she has the wali uh, for the marriage, but the wali for the marriage is just an extension of actually the wali of her life, who is her father, the one who is protecting her and in authority over her, controls the key aspects of her uh, life. Obviously that control is limited to that which the sharia allows. If the wali says, you know, disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't wear hijab, don't do blah, you know, that kind of stuff that happens, then of course they are to be ignored. But it doesn't need to be, you know, an igno- uh, ignoring them in a way of creating a bigger problem. But you might need to be cute about it and work out a solution so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not disobeyed and you don't you know, mess up the situation that you've got in front of the person who is ultimately caring for you, providing for you. And you all know the politics of that. So it's your father first, and then it's your brother, and then it's your uncle. These are, that's the order of the men in the household. But when a woman gets married... When a woman gets married, and um, was it last week that I was saying that I listened to Andrew Tate? Andrew Tate, is that his name? What's that guy's name? Andrew Yate. Tate. 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 The guy, you know, the, the Romanian bloke. You know, the alpha, alpha red pill, whatever they call him. Is it Andrew Tate or Yate? Tate, Tate. So I was watching uh, uh, the recording of Piers Morgan's interview with him. And... Um, Obviously, Piers Morgan has gone, and gone back and, you know, Piers Morgan himself has just wanted to just leverage off the guy's uh, popularity or whatever. <coughs> He's some, some guy. And um, uh, uh, what was really interesting is how Piers Morgan obviously gone back and watched all the controversial clips and things that he said about women, about 
relations about blah, 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 everything. And picking out the key points to try to get a confirmation from this Andrew Tate guy, whether he believes in it or not. And one of the points that he was mentioning was, because um, I haven't seen the original video, so I can't quote that. But what, what Piers Morgan said, and the guy seemed to agree, was about, what was it? To do with ownership of women? Property. 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 And he was saying, so you're saying she's property or whatever. And you could see, he was saying, well, of course she's not owned, right? You can't own a person. But are you sure the word was property? Was it property? I don't think it's property. But anyway, he, he said... What, what, what his argument was, and this is the problem about people you know, who chat rubbish, who then chat truth amongst the rubbish. Yes? Authority. Right? Authority. 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 That's it. It was authority. Not property. It was authority. And he goes, listen, you clearly don't like the word authority. Right? And that's what you have a problem with. And Piers Morgan obviously you know, said, you know, what the hell is this authority? Because obviously that makes a woman whatever. And when you think about it, of course that's crazy when you say someone's got authority over somebody else. But then he said that I'm a protector of a woman. I'm a protector of my wife. My wife, if something happens to her outside, she comes to me. She wants me to help her. She wants me to help her. Is that actually uh, 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 the case the other way around? If the man gets in trouble, does he expect the woman to jump in? Or does he expect the woman to run for safety? Let's do a snap poll. Yeah, okay. Right. Put your hands up if you expect the woman to jump in and do that whole woman thing, that, which is like that. <laughs> no, no. And keep slapping the head of the guy who's, at, who's attacking you. Am I going to get banned for that? Was that a two-woman type attack? Anyway, so put your hand up if you want your wife your daughter, the woman that you're in authority over, here's the, here's the argument being made, to uh, jump to your defense. Men, put your hands up. There's nothing to be ashamed of, guys. Okay, there's about 50 men here and not a single person has put their hand up. Okay? That? Yeah, exactly. Listen, this is not about embarrassing. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. I'll do it on behalf of all of you. All right? All right, now put your hand up if you just want her to run away and not get her or something. Okay, half. So what the rest of the half you would want to do then? So what the rest of you packies want? Then tell me. So you're secretly actually hoping. Anyway, so the point is, is that his argument was, and I, 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 it's only come because I saw it a week ago, um, and it's fresh in my mind, and I've been thinking about it, because... Um, these are the kind of concepts that, that actually all scholars struggle with, right? Because we also say exactly the same thing. Authority, permission, X, Y, Z. And then you've got some scholars that just say, that's the end of it, I don't want to hear any more about it. And then you've got others that want to add a qualification. Like myself, you'll see that I often, when I speak about this subject, I say, uh, I've, I've, um, I've always been saying uh, that when a relationship is boiled down to Allah and his messenger say, Allah says and his messenger says, then that relationship is over. Yep, you've heard me say that a number of times. And for those that have not heard me say that, what that basically means is that when you start to use evidences against your wife or your husband, so, uh, you know, that uh, whatever it is, um, 
trying to use authoritative sources, Islamic law, to get your rights, then what that's turned into is a contract, which ultimately it is, a contract, nikah, is a contract between a man and a woman, but it's just become a cold business transaction. And a marriage is a, a, a position of trust, love, fun, enjoyment, you know, wanting the best for another person. When you want the best for another person, by definition, you are sacrificing your own want and desire and need. By definition. By, by, by definition. You can, I, I just want you to know this. Yeah? This is something which is really important for those who are either married or not married yet. It's not possible that you want the absolute happiness for another person and you will get your happiness. It's not possible. You get these people out there that you know, make out, you know, or others make them out to be the best husbands or the best wives in the world or whatever. The reason that they're the best husbands and the best wives is that they are taking pain and sadness and swallowing it. Because uh, the, 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 the classic example is a woman going out. A woman going out, for her, is the most important thing you know, after a month or week or whatever, but she's not been going out. Kids, this, that, cooking, house, blah, working, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know what? It's just, first of all, she's been told it's not allowed. Secondly, she's not being allowed anyway. Third, she just hasn't even got the time to go out. If she gets a girl's night out, I guarantee she's having the time of her life. Like, take a boy's night out and multiply it by a thousand. Yeah? You get what I'm saying? Now, you might be that guy that, of course, she's got to have a night out. And 100%, man, I have my night out. You should get your night out. Knock yourself out. Go and have a great night. You'll be like that for the first time. And then the second time. And then it happens again. And then that's when, like, what the fish is happening in April. Yeah? And you will then feel it. You will feel whatever that feeling it is. Whether it's lack of control. Whether there's some material loss for you whether there's some material, ex or when I say material, I mean tangible, a tangible increase in work that you have to do that you wouldn't have had to do if she had been at home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm trying to say is that, is that there's always going to have to be an acceptance of some kind of loss to yourself. Now, the best of the people, the Prophet ﷺ said, are those who are best to their wives, which by definition means the people who are willing to take the most amount of loss. Tangible loss. Tangible loss, hey, by the way, means doing the washing, for example. Or it could be that you're having to cook when you hadn't planned on cooking. Or it might mean you having to spend 10 extra minutes doing something which you know that if you had just asked your wife, she would have said, it's over there. By the way, I read today, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it was on Twitter. And the guy said that 13 months ago, 13 months ago, my wife, uh, 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 my wife said to us in the family, it's the husband speaking, that um, we're going to have a box and you're going to put $5 in each time that you ask me to find something that you can't remember where it is. 13 months later now, we just bought a Ford Explorer with that money. <laughs> Madness, bro. Ford Explorer, big Jeep there, Lana. And it's true, bro, it's true. It's just a thing. I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know, it must be, it must be. Ben can't be that stupid. Or maybe they can, yeah? But I mean... Uh, it's just an example that when a woman's around for a man, it's a whole different ballgame. I don't know if it's so much the other way around. I'd like to think that they feel more stable, more, comf more comfortable, more confident, whatever, whatnot. But the other way around, there's absolutely no doubt about it. A man's life changes when he knows that a woman is there. It, completely different outlook. 
shout out this, get an answer back. Shout this out, get an answer back. You know, it's a different game. So the question now is, when a person then uh, has a scenario where a woman is going out or whatever, okay, um, or needing to go out, there is in Islam actual restrictions. There's actual restrictions. But the, the fact that there are actual restrictions should not make a person believe that a life can continue in a normative fashion whilst there are restrictions. And then actually what we're finding out is that some of these restrictions are far more stricter in the eyes of the people than they actually are in the eyes of the law. And this is a good example, the one on the issue of the uh, prayer. Okay, so let's look, at, let's look at that. But back to that point of the, of the protection, that Tate guy, he said that if she's coming to me to protect her, then she's accepting I have authority and I have power and I have everything. Just that act in itself. So it doesn't matter whether I say we have authority or not. That's what the reality is. And yes, I believe we do have authority as well. Right? So these, these are the difficult, as I said, issues about how you word them, how people get offended about them. But in reality, the world operates like that. And when they try to challenge it, they often come up as hypocrites. When those kind of people, men or women, try to kind of, you know, try to be woke or politically correct or whatever, they're normally the first ones to break it by doing something inadvertently, which is against what they're actually calling for. And I'm sure there are many examples. Some people not to put hate into anything because I'm telling you now, they get absolutely bombarded with videos or with this and that, feed after feed. Serves you right. So why did you put Tate into I Google? Watched, I watched a video of somebody else. Don't you dare. Video. Right. Shazad Salim is saying personal experience because he's the biggest, world's number one Tate fan. Okay. All right. Do not Google Tate. Do not Google. By the way, too late. You've already heard it. You've already heard it. Right, guys. If it's not too late. I was talking about how this person, he's got algorithms and he's clocked this. The whole internet, yeah? He's worked it out. He's clocked how to make something go viral so massively. Right. Just by using thingy. Mariam is saying incognito mode. Yes. Right. Right. There you go. Musab has spoken. Okay. No. Don't be googling. Don't Google it. Don't mention it. Amazon Yani picks up. Right. I just want to say that I have not got anything, by the way. But I did go the Piers Morgan route. Bro, I'm telling you now, I, I didn't even go. I just was on somebody else's talking. I watched a video of somebody else talking about him. She's that Salim. She's that Salim. You know, there's not a single person in this room that believes you, Shaz. <laughs> they know that you're a they secret fan. Okay, tell her. Khalas, khalas, khalas. Um, is catching the Amin enough or does the... Uh, what's going on there, man? That's something... <laughs> <laughs> Zakaria's got you, Yara. He really knows that this is hurting you personally, Yara. Person, <laughs> personal, personal thinking. Listen, when Amir Sahib speaks like that, that's it. We just accept it. Right. Um, so here's interesting. The Prophet ﷺ said that nobody has any authority in the presence of the husband due to the statement of the Prophet ﷺ concerning women. And Nabi Sallallahu said in the hadith which is narrated by Imam Tirmidhi, hadith which is authentic, that they are awanin عندكم. Now, to try to translate this is tough, but look at this, yeah? Awanin, Sheikh says, is al-awani jam'u aniya. Awanin is the plural of aniya. 
and Aania Wahiel Asira prisoner. Okay? A prisoner. A female prisoner. Which also has other connotations as well. So already, Sheikh Utameen has already put the table straight out. He's saying, the Prophet said that she's a prisoner, so that's the first thing. Then secondly, what about her husband? What is he called in the Quran and Sunnah? So in the Sunnah, the wife is called a prisoner, and the husband is called what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Yusuf, in the, uh, when he describes the moment that... Um, uh, Yusuf alayhi salam is uh, 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 you know, struggling with the, 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 the wife of the uh, thing, the king. Alright? And that day that you know when they get to the door, you know, the whole grab the shirt, grab the door, they meet who? They meet her, her husband. That's the translation. But the word is Sayyid. Sayyid means master, right? So he didn't say Zawjuha or you know what I mean? He didn't say her husband or her man or her guy or her whatever, which are words that have been used. That's important in Tadabbur, by the way. That's also important in Tadabbur. Remember we said as the rules of, of art, alternative random Tadabbur, when you're coming across an ayah, not, don't think about what's there, think about what's not there. So Allah used the word Sayyid, whilst could have used husband, could have used king, could have used a third party phrase to not connect it to her. So could have just kept it, yeah, and could have then used the words connected to her, her man, her husband and so on. But he didn't. He wanted to make a point that he is her master. So we can see that already actually marriage establishes a master-prisoner uh, uh, relationship. Now you might say, hold on, what's this? You know, I thought we were getting married. And, you know, what the hell's going on here? And the truth is, is that these are phrases which are descriptions of states. Now, it doesn't matter whether you like the language or not. That's the reality. That's the reality in that if there is authority, then whether you call him your husband or your master, it doesn't matter. We choose the word husband to avoid any unnecessary angst. And likewise, whether you call her her wife and the freest woman in the world, when you are in next man's house... You're a prisoner, bro. Unless you have got your husband and said, listen, you're living with me because you live in a shed and I've got a proper house. Right? You've immediately reduced your prisoner us one level. Right? When you are earning more than my guy, you've already reduced that in a positive way? No. Yani, will all of this help your marriage? I'll, put you, I'll tell folks this many, many times. No man, whether he says it a hundred times to your face or not, can handle. A woman who earns more than him, comes from a better position, bigger house, this. Men can't handle that. Call it disaster, call it weak. doesn't matter what you call it. It's a reality, right? Authority is something which the man craves and maybe the only thing that he craves, all right? Whereas a woman, it's not that important for her. And yet when she's got it, she doesn't get the benefits of it if you like because ironically she's earning more more powerful comes from better family got the house he's living with her etc etc and still he has the right to say like Sheikh Uthameen is going to say that he can prevent her from going to places in which he believes he believes this is the problem that there is harm to be caused to the marriage as a result you might say hold on it's subjective it absolutely is subjective and that's the problem that's why judges got to get involved 
That's why, you know, and my point is what? In Protectors House, what's my, my message on these facts? What are the facts? Sheikh says that if she asks to go to the masjid, she must go to the masjid. And we're going to explain why, because the masjid is something that, you know, uh, 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 you know, it's a place that uh, people offer worship and something which is important for men and for women, which we're going to establish now. So you, you got to give it that to her. By definition, other than the masjid, no. That's what the author is saying. So if it's other than the masjid, you, uh, you can prohibit her. And that's in line with the hadith. Also, Sheikh Uthamin goes further. If she, he says, if she says, I'm going to the masjid to just to check out what's going on, or I want to get a break, or I want to go and study a lesson, he can prohibit her. And that's technically correct. That's the father, the uncle, and the husband, in the, if she's married. But if it's the salah, you can't prohibit her from the salah. And we're going to give some examples of why that's the case. All right? Now, that's the facts on the ground. Now, if women are uh, thinking, you know, why is that? It's a general thing. It's the idea that uh, uh, men completely fall apart when women are not around. Men completely fall apart when they feel that they've got no control. Men feel completely fall apart. And it's their problem. There's no doubt about it. But that's the facts. As for women, they are need to be aware that they are a walking, a walking fitna. And it doesn't matter whether they realize that or not, refuse to accept it or not. It's another fact. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created you, not you. So Allah knows. So these things which are in place, which are backed up, of course, by the rules of hijab, jilbab, niqab even, the, uh, the, the ayat in the Quran of stay in your homes and be restricted, etc. The fact that the man is hunter-gatherer and the woman is the carer, etc., etc. All of these yani, basic uh, tropes uh, that people don't like, these are facts. Muslims have no problem with it because we only care about what Allah says, not about what the PC brigade and the woke brigade and who else, whoever else has a problem, what they say. But sometimes even our sisters and even our brothers don't understand it. And I think that what is important is that whether we understand it or not, no marriage or no family can survive if you keep implementing these. The fact that they're there does not mean that they need to be implemented. The fact that the husband has the authority does not mean that he has to show it. Okay? And I give the example of, you know, um, this is the same as going shopping. What? So she's going to turn around and say, can I go shopping? Can you imagine? Can you imagine every time that you, you know, your wife wants to go and drop off the kids? Technically, she has to seek, seek permission to go and drop off the kids. Bro, you're the one yani, who's benefiting yani, from her dropping off the kids. She has to come to you and say, sir, can I drop off your kid? <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Technically, that's the score. Who does that? Who does that? Right? You know... Um, so it's a balance. It's a balance, right? That a woman's got to use her brain. Man's got to use his brain. There are times where a man, you know, just needs to let go and let women do their thing and just trust women that they have the aql to not do something silly. And women need to be also the same that they realize that there's a situation, uh, uh, um, you know, there's a situation here right now where I've got to make a judgment call probably best that I do seek permission because it's not the norm what I'm asking for, what I'm, what I'm about to do. It's not the normal kind of request. And so I think I will just check and uh, ask permission. And it's that balance. Like if you look at Aisha radiallahu anha, you see that, that perfect balance. Sometimes she's you know, very cautious around the Prophet Other times she throws caution to the wind. So the famous hadith that, that uh, uh, the last time I spoke about was in actually in... Um, 
in Birmingham, Elm, Elm Fest was the last public event before COVID struck, was the, uh, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu going to Baqiyah, right? Going to Baqiyah and uh, uh, in the middle of the night, Aisha thinking that he's up to some no good, right? And so while he's gone and he's actually just making dua for the people in Baqiyah, Aisha is like, you know, where is he going behind all the things, checking, whatever, whatnot, and then realizes that he's in Baqiyah. Her theory that, you know, there's some woman or ex or whatever it is, yeah, one of the wives, extra time, whatever it was, has been dashed. And then she sees him turn around, legs it back, right? Now, uh, there's some interesting corollaries. The Prophet ﷺ prodded her in the chest. He was not happy with her at all, right? That she did that. Question, was he not happy at her thought or not happy at her going out to Baqir, which is not close, right? Without permission, in the middle of the night. And you can't say, oh, you were there. Well, hold on. She tried absolutely everything to make sure that he was not there, right? It wasn't like she was feeling safe because he's in the... She was spying on him. The Prophet ﷺ accepted her reasoning to go, accepted her question, and didn't reprimand her for going into the graveyard. And what I'm saying is this balance, and you see the opposite other times. So she is a prisoner of sorts. There's no doubt about it. If you're a father, if you're a father of a daughter that's married, you know immediately that she's a prisoner. Whether she accepts it or anybody else accepts it, you're, 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 you know, that's it. Once your girl's married, that's it. You can't do anything. And it's a horrible position to be in. Horrible position. I think I told you guys that in our culture, and Arab culture, we don't attend our, our daughter's uh, weddings. Yeah? It's not very, uh, I don't know whether unfortunately or fortunately, it's not very well held now. Yeah? I think the elders are kind of like becoming soft and the new generation obviously not Patanza anymore at all. And, uh, but the truth is, have I spoken about that? I have somewhere. Protector's house maybe? Oh, Protector's house, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll make the point to the wide audience so that you, you get it. But um, that's about as much a prisoner situation ever. I mean, if you look at the marriage, what happens? Yeah? A, a delegation comes to your house, yeah, of the senior kind of, you know, the mom, dad, whatever, whatnot. We like your, the, your hand, the daughter of your, 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 the hand of your daughter. And you say, okay. And you accept and you hand her over. And this literally handed over, literally, right? And then they, they go and they come back with the right flipping halabaloo and all these flipping cars and this and that, God knows what. And then she's, you know, you're at home. You're thinking, what the fish is happening here? This is a kidnapping. And my girl basically crying her flipping eyes out because she's been kidnapped. She's been kidnapped. It doesn't matter that she agreed. This ain't Stockholm Syndrome, bro. She knows that her captives, yeah, she chose them, but she's been taken. And then they go, dunga, 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 dunga. They're all laughing, loving it, celebrating. Dunga, dunga, dunga. Take you out of the house. Cover her up because she's crying so much, yeah? Put her all that. That's the reason that she wears a veil, because she cries so much, yeah? <laughs> That's my theory, by the way. <laughs> That's my theory, right? Then she gets bundled into the car, off you go. Huh. Then there's a wedding. Walima, they say, they call it Walima, right? Ain't no 50 50 bakwas. They have 500 people. All the guys, everything, all his khandan and his friends and his friends' friends and his dog's friends, whatever. And for you, 
In laws, you get one tinkle or table, yeah? And maybe a second one, if you're lucky, just tell your close people. So you, the 10 of you are going to come to a victory parade where you're going to sit there in a corner like a tramp, yeah, and you watch your daughter parading in front of 500 people, everyone laughing, joking, throwing the guy up, this, that, whatever, and you're sitting there thinking, you flipping dog, yeah? You're taking my girl, and that's it. You go all the way home, cry all the way home, then you're going to park up and go inside, and you're going to realize that that is it, gone, done, dusted. My girl can't speak to you, Yanni, unless he wants you to. My girl can't come visit you unless you, the husband allows it. What else do you want? What else do you want? It's a, it's a That's why recognizing what's actually happening, Arabs and Patans and that tribalistic kind of warrior type old school people, they're like, there's no way you're flipping humiliating me at that night. I ain't even coming, bro. Take her. There's no way you're going to yani, you know, invite the whole world and have me sit there like an idiot. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Is that kind of refusal. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Unless I get 50-50 representation, bro, I'm not going. You best tell Iman and Hiba that and those unlucky people yani, who tried that, right? 50-50 or I ain't coming. Hey, my best is going to be done at you right now, bro. Maybe 60-40. Maybe we negotiate Yanni on the, on, on the day. We'll see. Anyway, and everybody says that this is overreaction. But the truth is, is that that's Yanni how, you know, at the end of the day is how you present it. In fact, I remember now a clip from that, that interview that Andrew Tate, he goes, he goes, of course he has authority. He takes her name. Have you ever thought about anybody takes it? And you know what? It's true. They have made them slaves in their culture because in ours they don't take the name. Right? And this is now the, the, now after I've presented all this argument, now let's look at the other side. The other side will argue actually that there is no prisoner thing going on. Yes, she's a prisoner realistically, but it can never be practiced in real life. Um, you can prevent your uh, uh, wife from seeing her father, but if something happens and then you'll be held accountable in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if ties are broken, if they become ill, you don't know, then which husband's going to go up against that? That's like, you know, ras, man. That's heavy talk. Yeah? And okay, go, go. Yeah. And if, for example, you know, he says, I'm an authority, you've got to clean the house. We've already said that the majority and the correct position is that she doesn't have, she's not obligated to clean. She's not obligated to cook. She's not obligated to do all these kind of things that you think culturally that she's obligated to. This is what, this is the one thing that brings men back to real world life, yeah? You are going to say to me, I can't go out. Then you are cooking by yourself. You are cleaning by yourself. You are looking after this home by yourself. And I'm going to work. I won't go outside. But I have a right to have my own money. I have a right to have my own time. You only have marital conjugational rights, conjugational rights at set times. I'll give you those. And the rest, good luck to you. Bro, men will lose out the second they start playing the permission card. That's a fact. That's a fact. So even though these states are what they are, does it really work like that in real life in successful marriages? No. A successful marriage is way beyond the rules and permissions and harams and yes and no and it just gets on it, they survive by people getting along with one another anyway alright um, let's have a uh, look at quickly a few points oh 
I want the same passion here, Shaz, okay? <laughs> if you're going to be sp- speaking about the women, yani, let's have some tape passion. When you said, when you said the poll, that she gave protection to her husband. Who was it? Who was the, the, who, who accepted the Who was the companion? Who accepted later? We have absolutely no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Next time, can just like you formulate the tape argument, can you formulate yani, that <laughs> argument as uh, h- half? Half, half, half is good. Right. Uh, Sheikh says um, that it is haram. It is not makroo. It is haram to prohibit a woman going to the masjid. Here, what has she said? What has the author said? If the lady asks for permission to go to the masjid, it is reprehensible to prevent her. Actually, some scholars said, no, it's not reprehensible. It is haram to prevent her. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تمنعوا إماء الله مساجد الله. Very famous hadith which is in Bukhari. Do not prevent the female servants of Allah from the houses of Allah. This hadith is super authentic. You know what's fascinating? There are versions of this hadith. And this is like, you know, um, I haven't finished my paper on this. I wrote, I started a paper about 10 years ago. Still yani in process. Proving that every single hadith that states that the prayer of the woman at home is better for her is weak. Every single narration. And that the only authentic uh, narrations that are on this are those that do not mention that the prayer is better at home for her. Now, what's fascinating about this issue of fiqh is that even if I was to argue, like the minority did, that every hadith is weak that says, وَبُيُوتُهُنَّ خَيْرٌ لَهُنْ I know every version of that, because there's so many versions of this hadith, <coughs> that the prayer of the woman, there's like hundreds of variations, that in the deeper part of the home, in the most hidden part of our home, better for our home, hundreds. I would argue that it, an argument can be put forward that every narration is weak, right? And uh, um, this is not held by the majority. And not only is it not held by the majority, Regardless if they are weak or not, there's an almost consensus of the fuqaha that the meaning is correct. That the prayer for the woman at home is better than going out for the masjid. Now, I've said that before, that if a woman decides to pray at home in order to prevent other possibilities or to achieve other objectives, then there's no doubt that her prayer is better at home. No doubt. For example, we do have in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ saying that do not prevent the female servants of Allah from the houses of Allah and let them go out tafilat. So if they're going to go, then they must go tafilat. Tafilat means, um, well, it doesn't mean unkempt, but it's like, yani not tarted up, not dressed up, certainly no perfume. No, you've got to go out really demure, is I guess the word, right? Demure? Okay, all men, like, what the hell is demure? Ladies? Okay, only Lutziani has ever heard that word in her life. All right, demure means... Go ahead, Lutz. Dull down? Slow down, bro. <laughs> what flipping dictionary... Reserved, modest, but but modesty is two subjectives. I want a, a, a what's the actual 
plain basic. I don't want to say that because you know when you say someone's basic, <laughs> especially to a woman. No, 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 no. Rule number one for the marriage. Don't say to your wife, you're looking basic today. <laughs> Demure. Someone, someone downplayed. All right, here we go. Ah, reserved, modest and shy. So I was perfectly right, actually. Yeah? <coughs> low key. I like downplayed and I like low key. I like all of that. Yeah, but th that's the point. That's the hadith, all right? Um, there's absolutely no doubt. Anybody that tries to argue that anything in public for a woman is better than private has lost their minds. We've said before that everything about the woman is private. Everything, right? And so obviously praying at home and saying that I'd rather protect my privacy, I'd rather, you know, stay, is that, it's according to the intention, they're going to get more rewarded. However, at no point must you say that the prayer in masjid is worse for you, unless you do something that makes it worse. Otherwise, why would the Prophet ﷺ say that the front rows are the worst and the back rows are the best? Why would the Prophet ﷺ have... Yani an entrance for the women. Why would the Prophet ﷺ say, this is a section for the women? Why would the Prophet ﷺ say, men do not turn around after the salah until the women have gone? Why would the Prophet ﷺ say, don't get up before the women have exited? Why would the Prophet ﷺ say, do not lift your heads up, women, until the men have uh, got up? All things indicating that women, 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 women are there. Right? So there's a big difference in saying, you know, uh, uh, that the prayer is just better. For women at home with no kind of context or no kind of restriction. You know what it is? I'm, I don't want to sort of rush this. and We've gone way past our time. And there is some stuff more to say about this. So I think we'll catch that up uh, later. Let's quickly... Yes. Listen, a couple of things. Before we take the questions, okay? <laughs> Before we take the questions, uh, important. The uh, uh, Isha in uh, Chido is changing. So it's now going to become 7.30 for the next six months or five months or whatever. Yeah, 7.30, beg your pardon, not 8 o'clock. So that means, and next week, the lesson is not in Chido, inshallah, it's going to be from Makkah, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Okay, um, so no lesson on site here, it'll be online. Starting from next week, therefore, the lesson fixed time online is 7.50. So all of you folks online, 7.50 p.m. Okay, online, 7.50 p.m. for the rest of the year. That's uh, until March odd. Obviously, for folks here in Chido, that means 7.30. Yeah, 7.30, Salatul Isha, and then 7.50 online. So that's starting next week, even though there's no lesson here on site. Uh, next week, online, 7.50 from there on. Okay, uh, all right, let's get on the thingy. Let's go uh, down on the uh, questions. Yeah, this, uh, uh, the zina here is perfecting one, uh, one's uh, appearance for the prayer. So for a woman, it would be properly covered. Okay? Properly covered, proper, proper uh, uh, behavior. Um, listen, can you go back to, uh, go up? I want to know what Widad says about, what are you doing, bro? What's happening here? Go, go down, 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 down. Just, just do it slowly so that you don't kill everybody. Right. Yalla, quickly, quickly. Right. Uh, no, that's not a question. Okay, I thought it was a question. The, the, okay, there's no question. Oh, there, there is. There's a question there. All right. You know what it is? You've got to sort that out somehow to be able to find questions quick instead of scrolling up and down. And they're doing it via uh, hashtag to make it easier. So there's got... 
Is that what he's working on, the thingy? Yeah. Is catching the Ameen enough or does the late comer need to recite each ayah missed from Al-Fatiha? What does that mean? Is catching the Ameen enough or does the late comer need to recite each ayah missed from Fatiha? Yeah, you do need to. You, if, you, if you come to the prayer late, you have to recite every single ayah. Every single ayah. Is that it? No other questions? Any questions here, Bob's Yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, and it's a controversial position, I wouldn't take it anywhere with you, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 so, so there's a difference when I say that the hadith is weak. I don't disagree with the purport of the, of the hadith. I think that most of the time, the prayer will be better for the woman. Most of the time. In a reward sense, almost definitely. Any woman that, that, that lets her husband go to look after the kids, for example, and not a shadow of a doubt that their prayer is more rewarded at home. Because they took one for the team, they took the ajr, they avoided any fitna, blah, all the normal things that we know, right? But what I never want to be guilty of is to say to people, to a woman, that if there is absolutely no reason to stay at home, yeah, that to not go to the masjid, that to stay at home is better than going to the masjid. I will not be that person. I can't, I can't imagine how that person justifies that, that, that position and uh, also answers you know, for the lack of tarbiyah, the lack of spirituality, the lack of everything we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that she will miss out on by not being in a masjid. You know, do you remember, it was a couple of years ago, I don't know whether I made it public, I don't think I did make it public, but I recorded the video from the female section in Masjid Nabawi. I didn't make it public. Anyone remember that? No? That I was standing at the wooden divider and I recorded a video? Anyone actually seen that video? None of you lot? Everyone of you seen it? So I obviously didn't make it public. I must have just released it in a, in a group or something. I recorded a video. It's the craziest thing ever. Two minutes of women, of just such a screaming sound. Huh? It's our group. It's a private video then. Okay. It's a madness. I can't even speak. Like, I'm speaking and you can't hear me. And it's like a flipping jungle and a zoo and everything. Yep. And obviously, you know, when women come to this masjid, you can hear them a mile off compared to men. Now, there's two reactions to this, right? A common reaction and a rare reaction. The common reaction is massive frustration on behalf of men, anger, shut up, shh, blah, 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 blah. Okay? Because it's, it's, it's honestly, it's crazy. It really is. And then you've got the other reaction, which is a much more yani, controlled and a rarer one, which is, you know what? We created this. We are the ones who created this. These women, they've literally been let out of prison. Literally. They don't know what's happened. They don't know, what, you know how it works in a mosque. It's crazy, love. You know what I mean? And they're like, you know, and they're chatting to people for the first time. They've seen you know, people like, oh, human touch face real, you know? And they're excited. And, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, we did that. We did that. It's, it's become such a, like a you, like new thing for them, right? And they're chatting this stuff. Uh, by the way, it's not just a normal situation, the prayer thing. It's like a jumble cell, you know? It, also, the area, they, they haven't got used to the style of, you know, knowing that there are places to put things out of the way. They've, you know, they've brought the whole khandan with them, yani, they're all, the picnic and they've got the shawls and bloody God knows what, yeah? 
and where they're going to put them. So, they, so they're all praying all over the place and there's no concept of lines and there's kids sitting here and kids sitting there and rocking and I'll look after your kid and sweets being given out. It's a madness, bro. It's a playground, whatever, whatnot. And you know what's amazing? I'll tell you what's amazing. In the worst move in history, in Masjid Nabawi politics history, the current rules are that a woman cannot enter the musalla with a child under the age of 10. And as a result, men have suddenly realized what life is really about. Because the kids are old enough to go, they've, that's why they've taken them to Umrah. They're like threes, fives, sixes, whatever, whatnot. But instead of them being dumped with the missus, now they've got them. And the men have found out now what is going on. The kids are around the men's section now, crying, shouting, this, that, whatever, sitting, this, we don't know what that was going on. I was, and the women are now chilling. They're enjoying themselves. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes for men to realize what you create. Anyway, I'll say that. In terms of not being attacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's after, after. This is your evidence for women being around, yeah? No, this is my evidence of the woman becoming a man. <laughs> oh my God, I told you. He's obsessed with this Tate you use, you know that, yeah? He's literally sitting there ma making the arguments for Tate and God knows what or whatever, whatnot. Right, okay, last few questions here. I got confused about Fatiha, so you're supposed to say it if the Imam is reading out loud, if you're late, correct? Because you didn't have, you didn't hear it, all right? And you've got to recite it uh, if you didn't hear it. But if you don't have the ability to finish it, you do follow the imam down for ruku'ah. That's correct. Okay? Uh, what if two people were to walk in late and make a row at the back? What do we say to them? We say to them, at what point? I mean, if you're praying, you can't do anything. Right? Actually, you can. If I'm that person in the prayer line, I will always push against the guy next to me to create a gap. I told you guys before that the Prophet ﷺ said that the best of you are those who are softest in shoulder. You're meant to allow space for people to come. You should be aware of people behind you. But not become told obsessed yani, that you know, uh, 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 your whole prayer is thinking about people behind you. Come down, chief. Um, what if two people, we've done that one. What if she has to take buses or walk far to the masjid? Can he refuse on that account? I think that's an argument. Yeah, I think that is an argument. And that's back to the point of authority, right? That if a man makes the assessment that this is too much risk, too much danger, blah, blah, blah. That's a call that he can make and he has the right to make it and the one has the right to disagree and he has the right to get a judge to look at it and say, listen, is this fair or not? And the judge makes a call on it. He doesn't need any more drama than that. If a man yani, is worried about the safety of a woman, then, then that's, that, that's his right to speak up about it. All right? Is it wrong, hello, go up. Is it wrong for a woman not to go to a mosque to pray? Um, yeah, I think that it is wrong for a woman to uh, say, I'm not going to have to go to them. That's, the, that's what happens on the other side. I've seen that as well. Women are like, mine is great being a woman, don't have to go to the mosque. You know what I mean? It can get kind of fun, yani, you know? Not having to do all the headache of going to the masjid, whatever, whatnot. It's not as fun as people make it out to be. Does the degree of a wife also include respect? As in society, husbands are supposed to be shown more respect by wives than the other way around. That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, it's a good question. It makes no sense that a woman is shown disrespect compared to a man's respect. But I know exactly what she's saying. I don't know how to answer that. Uh, I, I, all I know is I could never say that you can actively disrespect your wife. 
but I do recognize that culturally women are fawning over men all the time and it's part of their culture to fawn over a man is there a different word that I should be using? you know what I mean, right? what is the correct word? absolutely fine is it the class position that if you catch the last raka'ah before salam but after ruku you catch a salah, it is thana but for second raka'ah and third raka'ah you need to catch the ruku if you want to catch those units, correct? Okay, they want to catch the ruku, so they start praying at the back of the hall instead of walking to the front. Yeah, this is not good. This is not good. The Prophet ﷺ told uh, uh, the Sahabi, I forget his name now, to not do that again. To not do that again. Okay, some scholars said that it was praying alone in the line, but it was actually it was actually this act of going into ruku and walking. That is not something to be done. And with that, we call it Zakumullah khair, guys. Barakallahu feekum. Inshallah, I'll see you in Chidu in two weeks. I'll see you all online next week, 7:50 p.m. UK time. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika, shadu an la ilaha illa ant, wa astaghfirullahum wa atubu alaykum wa salam alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.